0: Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit podcast. In this episode, my birth partner and husband, Baron, will be sharing our birth stories from his perspective. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula, and this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is a special one because my birth partner will be sharing our three birth stories from his perspective as the non-birthling partner. Thank you for being here, Baron, and for fathering my children. You're welcome. So starting from our first pregnancy with our daughter, Adeline, how was it finding out that we were pregnant?
1: I would say it was probably a little excited. It was definitely a little nervous. I was definitely fortunate. So I was excited that I was going to become a father. And especially to, to go on this journey with you, I was a little nervous because we were living in separate states. Uh, you were still in the Army. I'm still in the Army. Um, we were about four hours apart. So I was definitely like worried about if something going to happen like while we were apart and not together on a weekend. And then I would say a little bit fortunate just because I know some people have difficulties getting pregnant and we didn't really experience that. So I was, I was probably all three of those things.
0: Did you have any expectations of what our birth would be like? Before we took a birth class, I had imagined just showing up and getting an epidural. I grew up really afraid of birth, and so had not really considered that people would give birth without medication until the later half of our pregnancy.
1: I knew nothing about birth other than what you see in TV shows and, and movies. It was nothing that I was ever really talked about with like any friends or families. I would generally meet a baby when they were brought home from the hospital. So it was definitely a, something new to me. So, from an expectation standpoint, I had none other than that. I was really relying on a birth education course to show me what was going on.
0: And then, after we took a childbirth education course, how did you feel about birth then?
1: I would say I was definitely more confident in my ability to support you as a birth partner. But the specific course that we took, I think, left me a little bit uh, mistrusting of the medical system. So I was worried that we would go into the hospital and uh, your wishes and our birth plan that we came up with wouldn't necessarily be honored.
0: So what made you recommend that we hire a doula? So it wasn't me that actually figured out what a doula was and tried to convince Baron to hire one. He was the one that actually came to me and said, we should hire a doula.
1: Well, it just sounded like a really good idea, and it kind of got dropped in my lap. So I was eating lunch with a, a former boss who I kept in touch with as a mentor. Him and his wife had just given birth to um, their child, and uh, as we were eating lunch, he's like describing how you know they they went in and they had this doula and all the things that this doula. Went, and I was just like, "What is a doula? I never, even, I don't even think I've ever even heard the word before." So once you described to me, I was like, man, this sounds like a really awesome thing. This dude who I know and trust is pretty much describing this person, this person that we could hire as something that I really need to have. So I was like, well, I got to go back and tell Gina, well, we need a doula. And then that's really kind of how the idea started.
0: So a doula is kind of like a labor companion or birth coach. And so they can help guide you through your pregnancy and through your birth in a non-medical way. And what can be beneficial about hiring a doula is most of us don't have very much experience with birth other than our own birth experiences and maybe like one friend or like your family members. But a doula has ideally attended like multiple births and has a lot of experience with birth. And so they can help guide you to understand like what is normal, what is not normal, help you understand different labor positions that you can do. So they're kind of like your labor buddy is how I would describe a doula. And definitely something that I would recommend if you feel very unsure on how to navigate birth or even what to expect. So towards the end of our pregnancy, how were you feeling? I was definitely pretty anxious about induction and being past my due date and really wanted to have an unmedicated birth, but was not feeling very confident in the medical team that we had.
1: So I could just tell like how anxious and uncomfortable you were starting to get towards the end. And I knew how bad you wanted to start. I think that that just kind of rubbed off on me. That was definitely what ready. I don't think that I could put into words how ready you were, but I was right behind you.
0: So Baron is very much a, he has a very sympathetic pregnancy with me. I don't think that's the right word, but he experiences my pregnancy symptoms along with me. And so during my first trimester, I can't eat because I'm like super nauseous and I have a lot of morning sickness. And so Baron like eats my food for me. And so he usually is the one that gains all the pregnancy weight while I'm over here just vomiting. So I could definitely understand that towards the end of my pregnancy, you were really, we're each other's hype man also. So I could understand that you were feeling all my emotions as well. So it's the big day and I have finally woken up and I am in labor at 41 weeks and two days. Can you... Tell us the birth story from your perspective. And for those of you that are listening, you could listen to my side of the story or my perspective of the story in episode two. All
1: right. So the day of Adeline's birth or the day before Adeline's birth, Gina woke up and was uh, having some contractions, went into the hospital, but got sent home. Later, we walked around a track and ended up getting some dinner uh, nearby and then we went back to the hospital. She ends up getting admitted. And then we just walked around. <laughs> I just remember walking around a lot in the hallways and ended up like hanging out in the the church chapel area on the floor that the labor and delivery ward was at. From a support standpoint, it was awesome. Like Ardula was there. My sister-in-law Roxanne was there. Uh, my mother-in-law was also there. So... We definitely had like a lot of people there to support Gina, but I don't think maybe with the exception of the doula, anybody knew what was going on. So Gina's in uh, a lot of pain and they start talking about the Pitocin and stuff, which I th- I think definitely made Gina super nervous. And we ended up getting IV pain meds, but uh, there was like a delay because they don't keep the stuff on the same floor. So I just remember a really big gap in time where Gina's like super uncomfortable or all this is going down. As we were kind of coming back and forth, taking breaks on who's, like, comforting her, I just remember, like, not knowing which questions to ask the nurses. And every time, like, the midwife would come in, she was, like, super, super, I wouldn't say, like, abrasive, but just, like, at the time, it definitely felt standoffish. And any, like, hand of a question of, hey, what are we doing was uh, was definitely, like, met with resistance. So I think eventually it just kind of faded away and... Probably didn't stand up for Gina the way that I probably could have, you know, and having an experience of a birth after that. And we ended up getting a, an epidural. I remember Gina, like, crashing for a nap and then water breaking. It's probably, like, 9 a.m. the next morning at this point. And then within 30 minutes, she was pushing, and then Adeline came out around noon. And so it was, like, a rush, really, for me, like, the last little bit. I kind of described this... Uh, setting as being in a like a high school hallway and back where where I grew up like kids would get in a fight and you know you might have a friend that's on the the inside of this like circle where all the kids are like, surrounding watching like preventing anybody from getting out and wanting the fight to go on as long as possible but i kind of felt like i was on the outside of that so there were so many people in the room and i didn't know what like half them were like i recognized the midwife and i understood like one of the guys was a doctor at one point in time he's talking about like forceps or something like freaking gina out when outline finally comes out it just seemed like like a snap i think i got a picture You know these medical people are grabbing her, and then the next thing they're they're off to the to the way station. I don't know; it's such a blur. Like I'm, I'm glad that we had a couple pictures to show what happened, because I definitely like I definitely remember, wish I had had been able to like cherish it a little bit more. But that's that's about like in a very like quick sense of how it was for me.
0: How did you feel when she was like finally born? So they. Brought her directly over to the warmer for whatever reason. I still don't know why because she was, like, screaming and crying. And they were like, hey, Dad, you want to come cut the cord? And I was kind of like, how long is my umbilical cord? (laughs) Um, They meant, like, just trim the cord. So if your baby's at the warmer, your umbilical cord has been cut and then your partner will just trim it if they didn't get a chance to be the one that actually cut it. So how did you feel when she was like finally born and like my two and a half hours of pushing and like two days of labor was like finally done?
1: So once she was finally born, initially I was worried. I mean, you don't really understand all the medical terms that are being used when the baby comes out initially. And I, I think Adeline had had her hand up near her, her head when she was like coming out of the birth canal. And the only thing I remember where the, one of the midwife or one of the doctors was saying like compound something is they're like taking notes on a chart. And I'm like, the only thing I have reference to and playing sports and being in the military is when people talk compound, I'm thinking like compound fracture. I'm like, Oh my God, did my daughter just come out with a broken arm and then, like like Gina said, they rushed her over to the warming station so fast. I, I was just expecting to have gotten a chance to cut the umbilical cord, so I was like, "Man, maybe something's wrong." No one's really talking. So by the time they handed her to me, I'm I'm just like, "All right, she's crying." And then getting a chance to cut off portion of the clamp cord was <laughs> was cool, but it was not necessarily the like the momentous moment that I had uh, that I had anticipated. It was it was just kind of fast.
0: What do you wish you knew before our first birth as a birth partner? And what advice would you give have given to yourself before our first birth?
1: I think I would have probably given myself the advice to just slow down. Maybe if I had some questions to like consult Google um, or talk to the doula, definitely I probably would have told myself not to have been intimidated by the staff because I, I think that was the the biggest thing that probably I had walking away from it was like medical professionals like they're trained and and educated and I, I think that that I was intimidated by that because I, I don't speak their language and just because like I had concerns like their demeanor was off-putting to me in certain ways so I like I probably should have just stood my ground and made sure that Gina got like the reassurance that she needed or had the advocacy that she needed. But it's one of those things. Like in hindsight, you don't know what you don't know. But that's definitely what I would have. Uh, I would have been more prepared for.
0: I would say for the birth partners, it can be really hard to know when to speak up because you don't necessarily want to, like, interfere with necessary care that could potentially cause harm. So I think sometimes that's why partners don't want to, like, speak up or, like, ask a lot of questions is, like, they don't want to interfere and potentially, like, have an issue occur because they were, like, interrupting. Do you do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and I also, I mean, there's this back fear as, like, one thing that I didn't want to do was get kicked out of the the room and not be present. So, so I was trying to like find a balance in my head between being just nervous and also respectful to the staff.
0: I think the only reason why you would get kicked out is if you like assaulted somebody. So it's OK to speak up. Oh, yeah. You definitely know that now. So we're really fortunate with Barron's job that the military gives paternity leave. But at the time that our daughter was born, it was only 10 days of paternity leave, which I know for a lot of folks is like a lot of time because they get none. But we were unfortunately rushed with having only a few days of that paternity leave. And so we were pretty rushed to bond as a family before you were off for training for like weeks or months at a time. So how was it for you those initial days after our daughter was born?
1: The initial days were kind of rough being in the hospital. So that was one of the other things is if you're, if you're going to like give birth in a hospital, just be prepared to not sleep and constantly have people coming in the room to do just random checkups and stuff. And taking your baby and bringing them back and just watching from a, a glass uh, screen, you know, through like a the, the hallway and one to whatever, whatever room they're doing, checkups and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of be nerve wracking, uh, not just for the birth partner as much as it is for, for the mom. And then honestly, like most people probably don't get good sleep in a hospital bed the chairs in the hospital definitely aren't aren't that great. But once I got out of the hospital, we were on our way home. I got, like Gina said, about 10 days off from work. I, I think the the thing that was the most tough with this one was it occurred near the, the July 4th holiday. So a lot of the things, um, just bonding and also just administrative things that we needed to get done as far as enrollment in some of the, the healthcare and personnel systems for the army with our daughter were, were, it was difficult to do because things were closed because it was like a weekend, but it just felt like I was back to work like right away. And I, I didn't get a chance to do, um, do much bonding. So that was tough. And then, uh, once I was, was back at work, like Gina said, I was, I was away for, I think it was about a month initially. And then, it was just on and off. I was, I was gone a lot through the next year. And it definitely, I, I could tell the, the hours that I was working and not having that time definitely affected. I really think it affected my relationship with my daughter for almost like probably the first two years. It was definitely, definitely tough.
0: Let's take a break from this week's episode to hear from one of our sponsors, Needed, a nutrition company focused on optimal nourishment for the perinatal journey. We need choline to support our baby's neural tube formation and cognitive development, as well as for our own health benefits. But many of us are not getting enough choline in our diets, and most prenatals include only a bare minimum amount or none at all. New research also suggests that we need double of the current recommendations. That's one of the reasons I love Needed so much. Needed's core products contain choline, plus they have a choline add-on. I highly recommend adding Needed's choline onto any prenatal vitamin you are taking. To get started, head to thisisneeded.com and use code MamaStayPod for 20% off your first order or first three months of a Needed subscription. So, once I hit a year postpartum, we decided to try to conceive our second child. And it definitely took a lot longer this second time around to conceive, which was like really confusing because with Adeline, it was like I think three months of trying. And one of those months, we weren't together, and that's why. And so we're trying and trying and trying, and then finally we got pregnant after like several months of trying. Um, But unfortunately, we had a missed miscarriage, which means that the pregnancy was not viable, but my body had not recognized that and did not pass the baby yet. And so we ended up doing a medical miscarriage at home, and then Baron deployed for a few months, and so we weren't able to try to conceive during that time frame he got home. We tried again. After a few months we got pregnant. I like rushed to the lab to get a positive blood test and then like 2 days later I started bleeding and it was confirmed that I had another miscarriage. So how did you feel about our losses?
1: It was definitely un- uncharted territory as far as um like anything I'd ever experienced. I didn't really know like how to feel at first. I kind of felt numb, but like I, I saw that, you know, you were you're definitely like not in a good place. And I think that, I think I just kind of absorbed some of your emotions, but it was definitely like hard to, so it was hard to talk about for me. I was definitely fortunate. My work would allow me to take some time off on both, especially with the uh, the deployment that I, I had to go on. They gave me about three weeks off. So that was uh, that was really awesome being able to spend that time at home and just kind of figure things out um, with you before I headed out. But also I would say like the, the biggest thing for me was the confusion that we experienced with like the medical staff. It just didn't seem that either from a bedside manner standpoint or just empathy standpoint that they took it as serious as, as I think you did. And I think that was kind of off, off-putting. It was kind of more like, hey, like this happens to everybody or this happened to my daughter or, you know, just not necessarily the thing that I get, I think actually makes anybody feel better. So that it just kind of felt like the Maybe the length of pregnancy was how they were weighting um, the value in terms of like how much loss somebody was allowed to feel. So that was it was just something definitely for anyone to be cognizant about if you you or your loved ones are experiencing a situation like this to so definitely definitely um, be aware that it's it's not easy for them.
0: And then finally, in September of 2019, we did conceive our son. And so did you feel anxious at all during his pregnancy of another loss?
1: I was definitely nervous or anxious, or maybe really the best way to describe it was I tr- tried to hold my excitement until after we found out that the pregnancy was viable. Um, once everything was checked out there, I was definitely much more at ease.
0: I definitely think I did the same thing with his pregnancy where I almost felt like I wanted to like hold back my like excitement and my joy to like in an attempt to like protect myself but ultimately like realize that it wouldn't hurt any less if I was disconnected from the experience Um, and so that definitely helped me like begin to bond more with the pregnancy and then feeling him like kick and move definitely helped me a lot with feeling a little bit more at ease with the pregnancy and so Owen, our son, his pregnancy was pretty uncomplicated, like no real issues throughout other than like concerns for us about loss because we had just had two back-to-back losses and everything was going pretty smooth. Baron deployed for I think four to six months to Germany and so we went and got to visit him for Christmas which was like really fun and then COVID happened And he had just gotten back from home, like the world shut down and we were trying to figure out like what we were going to do for our birth because all my prenatal appointments pretty much got like canceled. I was doing centering, which is like a group prenatal appointment for two hours at a time. And those all got canceled. And they were like, we'll just call you to check in on you. And I was like, well, that's not providing care. And then, like, certain states were really limiting visitors. And so, like, New York City, like, partners weren't even allowed to attend the birth of their child. And so in our state, it was you could have one person at your birth. And so, like, obviously, for me, it would be barren. But I was, like, concerned of, like, what if this continues to go down, like, this path where you know I'm in there by myself and everyone's in like hazmat suits and I don't want to give birth by myself there's also a lot of people like that I want to be at my birth beyond just my husband and so we decided during my third trimester to switch to home birth and so how did you feel about switching to home birth what were your concerns and what helped you feel confident that this was a good option for us
1: that was definitely nervous at first. I, I think ultimately the, the COVID protocol with the the hospitals and I think your fears about what you just brought up, like giving birth alone and just being surrounded like by people with, with suits on definitely pushed it over the edge for me where I was like, okay, let's do this. But I think what really sold me on it was having uh, one of my friends who's a doctor just kind of walk me through – basically fail safes or like the the transfer plan like if something like went wrong like how do we how do we get to the hospital <laughs> once i found out the process is like hey you're you know you have a backup as a backup for uh, a home midwife you have a hospital that's basically agreed to to accept you and i was just like well all right well what's the worst th- worst thing that could happen here and i think Typically, I I don't know, for me, like, my fears would be, like, what happens if some type of hemorrhaging event goes on or Gina starts bleeding uncontrollably? Uh, Those are really, like, was my probably nightmare fear. Uh, But ultimately, I felt confident that from where we were living at the time that to be able to get to the closest hospital in in the event that there was an emergency.
0: And so with home birth, your provider should not be waiting for the emergency to begin the transfer process. They may have certain, like pink flags or triggers within their care that wouldn't start to initiate a transfer. So something that could, likely lead to a more emergent situation, they would recommend transfer at that point. And then for things like hemorrhage, like there are medications that you can give at home to help manage hemorrhage as you are transferring. And so understanding what your home birth provider's transfer plan is and their emergency plans are, like what are some common things that they would transfer for? What are some common emergencies that they encounter? And so having that type of conversation can really help build your confidence and your trust in your provider to be able to keep you and your Baby safe during a birth at home. And I know for a lot of partners, that is like the big concern is like, why would we not give birth in a hospital if that's the safest place to give birth? And the hospital is a great place to give birth. You can also safely give birth at home with a qualified medical provider. And so understanding what their transfer plan is, what are some reasons that they transfer for, what are some common emergencies that they may encounter can help you be more confident that you can stay safe. And so with that what advice would you give to a birth partner in supporting a switching care from the hospital to a home birth
1: So I think that if if I were to give some advice to someone I would say hey if if your birth partner comes to you and it's like hey we're going to switch from a hospital birth to a home birth the first thing I would say is Meet your midwife and/or meet midwife candidates that you're looking to hire, and just discuss all the things that Gina brought up with them. And then something else that's probably a good idea is to, uh, if the midwife's able to, you know, link you up with uh, clients that, that they've had, so you can talk to them about their experiences. But there's also a lot of um, home birth support groups that are available online on various social media forums. So if you have like questions, like people are definitely there to support you, and most often than not, like someone's experience, whatever concerns that you are having, and can give you at least their their viewpoint on it, which can be comforting.
0: So we're nearing the end of my pregnancy. How are you feeling at the end of this pregnancy?
1: I was feeling pretty confident on this one. Um, with COVID, I really didn't have to go in for work at all. My boss had pretty much said, "Hey, you're moving in a few months." Just COVID things going on. You can work from home, just be there to support your wife. So, you know, I took that for a grain of salt. And I was just working out, doing workouts with Gina, going for walks, hanging out with Adeline and just prepping the house for the birth. So I felt like we had a lot of time to set up for everything. Uh, we were well stocked on all of Gina's preferred snacks and had the whole plan ready to go. Everyone that needed to get called to come over when, when labor started. So I was was definitely confident. I was definitely ready. Having gone through some labor comfort technique training with Gina definitely made me a little bit more confident in being able to support her during the actual labor as well. So I had some, I guess, tools in my toolbox, I guess.
0: And so with my second pregnancy or my second birth, I went into labor the day after my due date. It was pretty similar to my first birth where I woke up with contractions at like 6 a.m. I woke up. I kind of labored by myself for a little bit because they weren't too bad. And I I waited for about an hour or so before I woke Baron up, went and did a workout. We ordered breakfast and we just kind of like labored and went for walks. Midwife stopped in the morning to like check in on us um, because I actually had an appointment with her that day and I was like... Man, it would really suck to have a car birth on the way to my home birth. Labor continued to pick up. I had a friend that came and gave me a massage. And I would say around four is when we told our midwife to come back because things were starting to shift to more active labor. And yeah, so I guess tell us how the birth was from your perspective and this time being at home.
1: Yeah, so being at home was awesome. And it kind of, Gina hit on the, the initial timeline for everything. It was just really awesome being able to go for walks in our neighborhood. Definitely, like, as the labor and contractions progressed, the pace that we were walking, then the the amount of steps we would get in in between contractions would definitely uh, got a little bit tighter. Uh, so that's kind of how I remembered. The, the last kind of trip out of the house that we went was definitely going to be the last one but it was it was great just being in our home home we were comfortable with the house because it was ours we had stairs we had you know the kitchen with snacks we had the labor pool set up kind of in between the kitchen and the living room and then our bedroom was you know just exactly the way Gina had wanted it I think that one of the things that I remembered was Gina had a desire to give birth in the pool you know we we're kind of in and out of the bedroom and the living room, walking around, finding different places to labor. And once she got in the pool, stayed there as long as she was comfortable. But I, I think that she was uh, at some point got nauseous and we ended up getting out and we made our way back to the bedroom. And that's kind of where I think things picked up. But I was, I was definitely like trading on and off with my sister-in-law Roxanne on doing uh, hip squeezes and other uh, comfort techniques for Gina. So we were, we were kind of like just back and forth there and, and it was really exciting. Um, it, was, it was definitely like a really, really good environment, good energy. It was exactly what we had talked about and what we wanted other than, other than Gina not being able to stay in the, the pool for as long as she wanted.
0: When I started pushing, a light bulb in our bathroom actually exploded. <laughs> At the same time, so we kind of remember that <laughs> we kind of joke that whenever I'm in labor, there's just like a lot of energy that's happening because even with Sophie, our most recent birth, it was in the middle of a hurricane, and so our birth assistant was joking that she knew I was going to go into labor during the hurricane because my labors just have so much energy to them. So yeah, when I started pushing, a, a light bulb exploded <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> I actually don't remember it. Roxanne brought it up to me. So when we, or when I started pushing, I was really far from the birth tub and I was just like not going to make it. And so I ended up just laying down in the bed and Baron actually got to catch our son and place him on my chest. And that was kind of our plan was that Baron was going to catch him and place him on our chest. So like he was going to be the first one to like put his hands on our son. And so what did it mean to you? How was it catching Owen? Uh,
1: It was super empowering. I I definitely wouldn't trade it for the world. Like the the only thing that really comes to my mind is the scene from uh, the Disney Lion King where Mustafa's uh, holding Simba up over the cliff. It's kind of like figuratively. I think it it was
0: Rafiki, the monkey.
1: Yeah, I guess it was Rafiki. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was Mufasa like Massa
0: doesn't have hands. Yeah, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> he just true. got paused. Eh,
1: that's a cartoon. But yeah. But anyway, <laughs> probably need to go back and watch that one. But yeah, that was kind of all it was for me. It was it was awesome.
0: And so how did you feel about the home birth experience and what advice would you give to partners that are preparing for a home birth?
1: I, I'm super supportive of it. Definitely thought it was worth doing. I think one of the biggest things is Immediately after the birth and once all the initial checkups were done, we we got to go to sleep in our own beds. That was that was amazing, especially comparing, you know, my experiences from the, the hospital birth to this one. And, you know, I'm sure there are hospital births that are go by smoother than our first one did. But it was definitely, you know, the experience that we were looking for. I think that if you think you want a home birth type experience, I think the best place to do it is is home. But I think for advice on getting ready for a home is, or home birth is just to make sure you prepare your home, prepare your birth plan with your partner, but just make sure you know who to call when things start to pick up as far as labor goes. And then also just one big thing would be if, if you do have a labor pool, and I probably should have said this earlier, make sure you take it out when you first get it and inflate it and put water in it to make sure that it actually holds water and doesn't have any holes in it. Um, then also I would say, depending on your house, just make sure your hot water heater uh, is uh, strong enough to be able to actually get warm water in to the, the tub. And if not, like get some type of like water heaters and you can get you know, big pots to put on the stove to heat water. You can also go to tractor supply and get five gallon buckets and water heaters for, for like buckets as well. If you're going to put water in the, uh, the birthing pool. You may not be in it the whole time while it's warm. So just have a way to keep, keep it warm or add water back to it. That's warm.
0: I had one client that actually had like a portable heater that was, you can submerge in water to heat water which I thought was really cool. You just plug it up. It's electric, but it's not electric as in like a toaster. But you could heat up birth pool with that, which I thought was like really cool. She ended up actually giving birth like too fast to even blow up her pool but it was a really cool tool that he had. The other thing with the birth pool is make sure you have a hose that's long enough to reach your pool from whatever faucet you're going to be using. Uh, we just used our laundry room like water attachments, and then make sure you have an adapter that can go to whatever faucet for that hose as well in regards to like preparation. And like sitting down with your midwife and discussing, like, hey, how should we be setting up our space? is going to be really helpful. I actually just had, like, a notes app where I just put, like, all the things that I thought needed to be done the day of the birth to include, like, what snacks did I want? Like, what type of, like, perishable foods was I hoping to have just to give, like, Baron things to do because he's, like, a very, like, hands-on person and so otherwise he'll just, like, walk in circles trying to figure out, like, what to do with himself as he's, like, waiting for my labor to pick up and so I just give him, like, a list and I'm like, do these things the day of my birth? <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't, I don't do well in silence.
0: All right. So after about like 18 months, like a year to 18 months, I started bringing up a third kid. I don't think that you totally knew that I wanted more than two children. I think you're in denial about the fact that I always said I wanted four kids. (laughs) Um, So we compromised and we had a third kid and we've compromised again and we're going to have four kids. (laughs) So what made you want to have a third child?
1: So I wasn't necessarily like wanting a third or a fourth. I just wasn't against it. I don't know how to say that without sounding like I don't care. (laughs) Like I I do care. I love my children. (laughs) But for me, it was... It was something like if we were to stop at two, I would have been fine. But I also was okay with having a third.
0: And now fourth. And now fourth. Did you feel confident doing a home birth again?
1: Yeah, I think for me, with the the whole home birth thing was just getting the first one out of the way was all that I needed to never want to get back to a hospital ever again.
0: And so Sophie's pregnancy was pretty uneventful. There was nothing too crazy about it. We had established care with our home birth midwife like right away. It was actually crazy that we were even able to book her during our second pregnancy because she books like the moment you pee on sticks and she just happened to not take any clients during June because she goes on vacation. And our son was born in June. And so she just happened to have that month open and she had canceled her trips because of COVID. And so it was a while that we were able to book her as late as we did. And so I knew this when we were pregnant with Sophie. And so as soon as I found out that I was pregnant, I think I may or may not have told her before I told you just because you were at work that day and I wanted to surprise you in person. But we established care with her like really early and had care with her throughout the whole pregnancy no big concerns at all. And then I went past my due date, which was super confusing because I was very confident that I was going to go really early. She planted a seed in my head where she had mentioned that another patient of hers had, who normally went past her due date, went in like 37 weeks. And so I was like, oh, that's going to be me. It was not me. Did you have any concerns when I went past my due date? (laughs)
1: Honestly, you were so confident that you were going to go before that I I don't even think that I had recognized when the actual due date was. I was just like, the baby's going to come and it's coming early. So when she was late, I was like, oh man, I'd told my work that my wife was gonna go early and I they were like oh, I'll just stay at home because we were gonna be doing some training and I would have I would have been like basically camping for the three weeks that Gina had thought that it was gonna happen uh, so I was actually kind of like a little anxious at first that they were gonna be like hey dude uh, where are you at <laughs> is this baby come yet because it'd be like every day I'd be like I think it's gonna happen today <laughs> and then it didn't but they were cool it was definitely a lot better better than, um, it had been in terms of that, that type of support and relationship that I had with work between the, you know, the, the first experience. So I I remember that with that one, it was just like, you know, very, very strict on when I was able to leave. This one was like really awesome about, Hey, take leave. You're, you're going to go. So, yeah.
0: And so just like Adeline's birth, I went into labor at 41 and 2 and then gave birth the following day, but it was at like 1 a.m., so not quite as long as her labor. The night before, I actually started having some contractions. I had gotten a membrane sweep from the midwife and things started to pick up and I was like pretty excited and then nothing happened and then it was just like full-on despair so I went to bed pretty early with our son. And then I woke up around 4 a.m. with contractions, which was usually around the time that I woke up to pee. So I was actually like not surprised when my contractions started at that time. Slept for a few more hours. And then around 7, I got up and started moving around. I think I woke you up at that point. Kind of the same things with this labor as I did with Owen's. Minus this time there was a hurricane. So I woke up, I worked out, I had breakfast. At some point, the power went out. I was very distraught about the power being out because I really liked using a shower my last labor. And I really like hot, like scalding hot showers. So Baron did reassure me that we do have very large water heaters and that it would be fine. It would take a long time before I ran out of water. My midwife was even like, oh, like... Women have given birth without hot water for like thousands of years. And I'm like, I don't care. I live in this century where I have luxury in my life and I would like hot water for my birth. But the power did turn back on. And then we started to fill up the pool. The birth team was arriving. But this labor was definitely a lot slower of what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be more like Owen's where it just kind of continually progressed through the whole day. It just kind of stayed the same for a really long period of time, like this early active labor where I was needing support during contractions, but was still very like coherent in between. And I just like didn't really know like what was happening because it was just like nothing was progressing. It felt like so around like 9 p.m., things were still the same. And so my midwife did like a sweep, we took some castor oil, we did a tincture, we did like this. Triple thing. I don't. I can't think of the word. Triple threat. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we did three things to try to like really kickstart things, and it really worked. Active labor started shortly after that. Um, at some point, I had gotten out of the pool, and so you came up with the idea to put this hypothermia blanket on the pool, which we were all like, "That is the best idea ever. Like that makes so much more sense." So I guess take us from when my labor started to become more active and how that blanket was actually the worst idea we've ever had.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's tough because even looking back on it kind of made sense. What I didn't think about was there were two parts to this like blanket I should have grabbed was the one that had just like the reflective side for just like the emergency space blankets that you see that are sold at hiking stores. Uh, This is pretty much like a industrial-grade version of that. The inside of this thing was basically like a heavy-duty paper fabric.
0: It's like the inside of a diaper. Like,
1: almost like the inside of a diaper. And when we put it over the the pool, all of the like condensation, the heat that was coming off the water, basically just disintegrated this into the pool, and it was just like clumps of water. <laughs> so we were like, the pool's ruined. Um, what are we going to do? So we started fishing out all this stuff out of the pool and we drained the water. So luckily, like we didn't have to test the, the water heaters by this time the power had come back on. So we were able to get everything drained out and then refill the pool. But it was definitely a, like, I could tell that it had stalled whatever progress Gina was making at the time because she was really holding out on giving birth in the pool.
0: So I like didn't get a water birth with Owen's birth because I was in the bedroom and the pool was in the kitchen and it was really far and so I was like I'm gonna have a water birth this time and so I was pretty close to like feeling the urge to push. And I I knew I was getting really close to that. And so I was like, okay, I think I want to get in the pool. And then we took this blanket off the pool and we were like, and I just looked into the water and was like, what is that? And Roxanne and the birth assistant were like, it's fine. And they try to like scoop it out. And as soon as they like touch it, it just disintegrated in their hands. And in that moment, I knew that we were going to have to empty this pool and I also knew that I needed to push soon, and so I just sat down on the bed and I think cried. And my labor like, completely stopped for the hour and a half it took to empty and then refill the pool. And then I jumped into the pool, and it was fine. So how was it supporting this birth? Like, What were some eventful moments for you during this labor?
1: The two most eventful things leading up to Sophie arriving, obviously, was... Probably the power going out, the fact that there was a a hurricane going on was was pretty crazy. Basically the pool situation were probably the two the two of the like kind of most memorable things for me. Other other than that, as described it it was a little bit slower than Owen's and I think we had we'd kind of been through the rodeo with the home birth uh, you know, once before, so Kind of knew more or less what was going on. Was definitely glad that we were able to get the the pool situation corrected, but those were probably the most two most like memorable things for me.
0: So after the pool gets refilled, I get back into the pool, and so at this point, like my labor started around like 4 a.m., 7 a.m., and at this point, it's like almost 1 a.m. And so I'm laboring in the pool, and I like, no, as soon as I stand up, I'm going to start pushing. And all I could think about was how intense pushing with Owen was. And I was like, oh, man. And I also had this vision in my head that I was going to be this super, like, serene birther. And so I told Baron that I wanted to catch the baby this time. I don't know why I did that, but I convinced myself that it was going to be different this time, and I can catch the baby With Owen's birth, there was, like, no way that I was going to be able to, like, muster that focus to, like, do that. And so I was really glad that he caught the baby. In hindsight, I wish that I told Baron to also catch Sophie. So I stand up, and I'm like, all right, I need to push. I think at that point I was like, I need to poop. And then my sister was like, it's your baby. And I was like, no, it's both. So I, like, beeline it for the toilet. Baron is like, either led me or you were following me to the bathroom. I think I led you. And then he like holds my hands as I sit down on the toilet and I'm just like, immediately no, immediately no. And I continue pushing. and I'm like, I'm having a water birth because my midwife's like walking in with all her supplies and trinkets. And I like <laughs> just beeline it back for the pool. I jump back in the pool and I continue pushing there. And then I guess finish the finish the story there because I know you had a lot of thoughts that were happening. Well,
1: I think the biggest thing was the midwives and are there to make sure everything's safe, and they're checking baby's heart rate and monitoring everything. Like It just got to a point where we were not good to continue in the, the pool, right? And so I, I knew that that was upsetting for you, but it was tough. So we ended up getting out of the pool and moved back to the bed and I think that was the right, obviously the right call. It was close, though. It was so close.
0: Yeah, I think it was like two pushes and she was out. (laughs) But you were saying that because the midwife didn't, like, urge you to come catch her, that you were concerned that something was wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did. I guess that was, like, the the difference was, like, we probably didn't talk as much about it beforehand. I should have just said, like, hey, I'm going to catch her again. That was really cool. So I probably, if I'd had one regret, it would have probably would have been that I'd I had not talked about that with everybody, about how how much I really liked that from the first birth. But, yeah, like when, when I was kind of not asked to come in, I was like, oh, man, something going on. <laughs> Which luckily was not the case, but it, it definitely kind of spiked my anxiety for, for a second.
0: Yeah, when I talked to my midwife about it afterwards, you know, she asked me, like, you know, was there anything you wish was different or how do you, how do you feel about your birth? And I was just like, you know, I was really hoping I'd have a water birth this time. I guess I got to have another baby. And she kind of explained, like, so Sophie's heart rate just dropped a lot. because She was pretty deep in my pelvis at this point. Like, it's normal for babies' heart rates to drop. But it was to a point where she was concerned that Sophie may not transition well, and it's easier – to do, like, resuscitation and to address baby, like, on a firm surface, so, like, on the bed as opposed to in the water where I would have had to, like, quickly try to get out of the pool. Like, babies can get really cold in the water. And so she just kind of reassured me that it was, like, really good that I didn't just blow her out in the pool and that we were on the bed. And then, luckily, we didn't need any sort of resuscitation or, like, assistance with um, transitioning. Like, Sophie was, like, screaming as soon as she came out and was, like, good to go. So how did this labor compare to our first home birth experience?
1: I think it was uh, reinforcing that home births were our style. I didn't really try to compare them as much just because I knew that each pregnancy, each labor can be different. I think the similarities between the the two uh, gave me confidence in knowing what was going on. But ultimately, I I think they were both really, really great experiences. And like kind of Gina said, we were, one one step closer to to doing the, um, the water delivery. So, you know, if any indication, maybe next time we'll get it.
0: Third time's the charm. <laughs> so of our three births together, what were your favorite parts?
1: Yeah, so this one I would say was the same for each one, was watching you hold our daughter, son, and daughter for the first time. Uh, I think that those mental snapshots for me, like just pure happiness.
0: Thank you for fathering my children. I appreciate you. You're welcome. (laughs) So what advice do you have to other birth partners or what advice would you give to yourself before you had any children?
1: Can I do a hospital birth and you can afford a a doula? I think get a doula, especially if you're first. And then if you have the means to and you guys are both cool, at least with it in concept, Talk to and explore home birth options as much as you can because they're awesome.
0: I would definitely say of our three births, like each labor, I, I feel like we bond a lot during. Like it's a very like emotional and almost like romantic like experience together I'm not like a super like touchy person. Like my love language is not physical touch. It's very much Baron's love language though. But during our labors, my love language is like, you cannot touch me enough. And so I always feel like during our labors, I I feel like our relationship grows a lot more. So that's, that's probably like my favorite part of labors is like the closeness that I feel and kind of this like experience of like working together through this very hard and challenging event, even though I know that I'm the one that is like feeling a lot of like the physical pain, like I still feel like we're emotionally moving through it together. I felt that with each birth, even our hospital birth with an epidural, but I definitely felt it a whole lot more with our two home births because we just were able to labor together a lot longer. We were in a safe space. And then the ultimate goal was to have an unmedicated birth, which tends to require a lot more support. I felt like from my partner. So, how did you feel during the labors, like emotionally and with our relationship?
1: I think definitely felt connected. It's definitely an opportunity to to grow. I, I would say that out of the three, the by the least connected, honestly, I felt was during our, our hospital birth, mainly because felt like there you were restricted to. You know, the bed or hooked up to IVs. And, you know, I don't know. That was, it was just kind of tough. We didn't, I just felt more like a spectator um, in those. So, in addition to not really knowing what was going on.
0: Yeah. I almost wonder if with the home birth, we felt more connected because we just had more experience with birth. Like at this point, I had been a doula for a while, I was teaching childbirth education, and then we had our own experience with our own labors. And then we were in just an environment that was more conducive to us kind of doing what works best for us. And so I would say that's my favorite part about supporting births is getting to witness this like really close emotional bond and this like experience between two people that decided to have a baby together and seeing how like a tentative like the non-birthing partner is towards the one that's in labor and seeing them like move together and labor together is like always so sweet and beautiful to watch and so I was really glad that we got to have three of those experiences together and thank you Thanks for joining us today and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education course. If you need more support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses. If you're a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness trainer courses so you can learn from us and earn CEUs. Explore all our courses on our website at MamaStayFit.com. If you enjoy this episode, please follow our podcast to be notified when we release new episodes, leave a review, and share with your friends. We release new episodes every Wednesday. This podcast is sponsored by Needed, a nutrition company focused on optimal nourishment for your perineal journey. Use code MAMASTAYPOD for 20% off your first Needed order.